we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. On a great afternoon for Talk Radio, the Friday edition. At this time, we see Conrad Black joining us on most occasions, author, commentator, and historian. And this is one such occasion. Conrad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. Conrad, I want to start because your piece in the Post for tomorrow, uh, I previewed it online, and you know, while some of us have sort of lapsed into a hagiography of Jody Wilson-Raybould, you're kind of recalibrating her role as the Attorney General, suggesting in this SNC Lavalin affair, uh, perhaps she could have been more accommodating uh, by, you know, uh, playing ball with the powers that be in the PMO. And uh, because it's done that way in other countries anyway, you know, with these deferred prosecution agreements and so on and so forth. But, you know, the bribery situation, as I get it, even from the OECD, uh, whose member was on with us last week, you know, when we have companies like uh, SNC Lavalin, if in fact, you know, uh, they are uh, guilty of the things for which they stand accused. Anyway, bribery and uh, fraud and all that. In foreign countries, we shouldn't let that go because it disadvantages and hurts the local businesses and citizenry of those countries. Some are despotic countries where, you know, they just continue business as usual then, don't they? They probably do, but they would do so without us. I mean, uh, I think when you get into that kind of international business, uh, that is to say, in countries where the rule of law is less um, rigorous and recognizable to a Canadian than, the, you know, uh, the, than some. Uh, they, uh, once you get there, the issue of the mores within that country are really, uh, that's really an issue for the country itself to determine, either culturally or legally. I mean, we're essentially, in this case of Lavalin, I think, talking about Libya. And and I understand, and I'm not surprised to learn that, that a lot of bribing of officials goes on there. Now, if it's not our people giving the bribes, then it will be those of other countries, and they will get the business. And, and the shareholders of those other companies from other countries will get the benefit of the business. So I think we have to decide not to try and remake the world, but do our best with the world as it is. Now, you draw the line somewhere. And I, I was very clear to say that if this was a double kickback arrangement where our own people were, 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 were getting a percentage of the business sold in a corrupt way, that, that is something we should act against. But, I mean, I know from my days many years ago as chairman of the farm equipment maker, Massey Ferguson, we did business all over the world. And in many of those countries, you had to bribe people. Now, none of our people got one cent out of it, but they made it clear if we didn't go, and they didn't call it a bribe, but that's what it was, that if we didn't go along with it, the business would go to International Harvester. Well, on one occasion, I, I had to tell 
the then premier, my friend Bill Davis, that that if he stuck to his guns on this issue, I, we'd certainly do what we were told. But that would mean we'd have to lay people off in his own district because we had a plant in his district, you know, constituency, making uh, um, combine harvesters. Well, you know, I I think we just up to we want to set a good example as much as we can, but. But I, I, I think we can't go out into the world trying to compete and insisting we're going to do it on rules that apply to Canada, but not to most of the rest of the world. All right, but we have to live with ourselves if we're compromising our own principles. Look, it's similar to that. John, let's not get too carried away. I mean, it's no, <laughs> you and I aren't going to roll over, uh, you know, with chronic insomnia all night because we slipped a, you know, 100K to some minister of something or other in Zambia or something in order to, to you know, have a profit of a million dollars distributed amongst our shareholders. I mean, you know, yes, up to a point. We all want to do well, but the world isn't composed entirely of saints. I guess you could sort of draw an analogy to the LAV deal that we have with the Saudis, right? I mean, these jobs in London building these things, it's a $15 billion contract, and there are a lot of critics who say, you know, we ought to divorce ourselves from this. I'd go one step further there. Um, Of course, there is the similarity you mentioned, but Saudi Arabia is, in fact, a vital ally of the West. If they hadn't tanked the oil price when they did, I have no doubt that the Russian government under Putin would have caused much more trouble in Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia, which are NATO countries, as we are. Uh, and and uh, when the Obama administration was attempting to befriend Iran and cold-shoulder Israel, the Saudis were, were the principal... Uh, bankrollers, uh, paymasters of those who prevented Iran from running loose all through, uh, all through Syria, Yemen, and uh, Lebanon. You know, uh, you mentioned the oil price and so on and so forth. It's kind of interesting, and uh, you know what uh, Putin might have done as a consequence, uh, how things would play out. I see where Christopher Freeland uh, over in Europe was talking about malign influences in our upcoming election, and she's citing like uh, basically the references to the Russians and you know the same kind of thing that happened in the 2016 election stateside. But they always tend to forget that foreign money also comes by way of these uh, activists like the Tides Foundation, uh, Rockefeller Group, uh, Sierra Club, and so on and so forth. Haven't they done a great disservice? I mean, isn't this foreign interference in our own politicking? Uh, I, I think it is. Uh, and, and it's, in my opinion, a very dubious influence even in their own home country's politicking. But in the United States, of course, it's extremely complicated. And there's an immense amount of money spent in and around elections coming <clears throat> from and to all directions. And, and, and you know, it's a, it's a jungle in the U.S. in a sense. It's the, the, the strongest side wins, but they're strongest and cleverest. But, but you're quite right. Canada is, is a is a relatively easy country for a a very well-funded foreign organization to have some influence in. Again, Conrad uh, Black is with us. I've got to ask you finally, I mean, Doug Ford... Keep in mind that the American elections cost all in billions and billions of dollars. Uh, you know, each each election, and I mean, something like ten billion dollars. So, uh, you influencing it from outside is not so easy. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, that's all right. Because I mean, some people say like forty five hundred dollars worth of Facebook ads, need niche ads, uh, didn't exactly overturn this thing. But uh, I think the Dems want to continue to play that hand. Closer to home, though, Doug Ford uh, throwing down the gauntlet before the teachers' unions. He's also proposing a hard cap on public sector compensation. What do you make of it? I'm for it. 
I, I, look, I know there are a lot of good teachers, and it, it is historically a learned profession, and it's a terribly important occupation. And, and all of us who went through school and all of us, all again, who had youngsters who've gone through school or going through it, um, we know how important teachers are. But the teachers' unions have been an absolutely diabolical influence in all of Western society. All our advanced Western countries are more or less in the same position. We have put more and more and more money, uh, consecration of a bigger and bigger chunk of growing gross national products into education to get less educated people. And you, you can't look anywhere except the teachers, finally, because the tools of education have improved. All the benefits of the Internet and so on are available, which we never had any of that when I was a long time ago, but when I was in elementary school. And, and, uh, and yet we get progressively less well-educated people. And, uh, you know, their own scores show declining results. And the teachers' union recommendation is to stop testing them. No, not improve the quality of teaching. Stop testing them. And uh, so I, I think somebody has got to get a system whereby these teachers who will really give it their all and try hard, and we all remember the good teachers we had, uh, that they get rewarded. And, and we break the sort of collective bargaining system whereby it's, it's just like a, an unskilled trade union just like a union, I'm not disparaging these people, are important too, but a relatively unskilled work, a union of janitors or security guards or something like that, and, and all are treated equally. Um, we have to encourage good teaching, good results, judge the results, and, and get a better return our, on our investment. Fine to uh, talk. I, I like that. Uh, Doug referred to them as union thugs. To you, they're the diabolical influence, so uh, it's just a matter of semantics, I guess. Uh, thanks, Conrad, for your time. As always, we'll talk next Friday. I think, I think Doug is a bigger audience than I do. Thanks, John. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. All right, Conrad Black, uh, again, author, commentator, and historian. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.